Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. In today's episode, we've got quite a bit of breaking news for you. Scott Andrus, the founder of ON3P Skis, is back on the show, and he and I go through their 1920 lineup, including the much-anticipated Woodsman series, and we get a lot more information on the new metal renegades that are just coming out. Along the way, Scott also shares with us some new and exciting stuff that's in the works over at ON3P, and we also talk about designing custom skis for one of the greatest athletes of all time. He goes by the initials MJ, and also designing skis for one very iconic product designer. You can check the show notes to this episode on the Blister website to check out those MJ top sheets. And then we also talk about some new custom top sheet designs, and you can see an example of those top sheets on the website as well. And with that, let's get on to my conversation with Scott Andrus. Scott Andrus, how are you today? I am good. I am <laughs> relaxing at the factory with a beer. With a beer? And a wine. Glass of wine. <laughs> Are you drinking both at the same time? Like sip a beer, sip a wine, you going beer first, you going wine first? This is important, I think, to get clear on. Uh, we'll see how the night goes. It's <laughs> kind of going both ways. We'll see how hard the questions get. Yep. I just have water right now. You're at elevation. Hydration is important. I'm actually just drinking water because I think I'm going to go on a quick ski tour uh, when we're done with this conversation. So you are currently at the factory. Where's your little factory located? We're in Portland, Northeast Portland. You guys like to build your own stuff, I hear? That's what we like to do. That's all we do. I actually had someone send me a question asking about a new ski that you're coming out with and if it was going to be built in-house. That's a strange question. I mostly thought that would be a question that would sort of make your, your head explode. Uh, the idea that there were certain things you you know might be building that weren't in-house. Basically, yep. <laughs> I mean, people still can't say our name right, though, so that we build everything in-house isn't, you know, not everyone knows who we are or what we're doing yet, so. Not yet. It doesn't surprise me. ON3P, if I had a time machine and, and could advise you when you came up with that name, I would have maybe said, like, are you sure? Because I, I guarantee this is going to be a future of people wondering how you pronounce ON3P. It's pretty constant. Uh, I mean, it, it was two years from the name forming to really building. And by that point, we were pretty entrenched. But yeah, it's uh, a never-ending struggle. Um, I do find ONEP is the funniest one, seeing as if it was an E, I'd use an E. Except that like modern internet culture and and kind of hip hop culture has sort of killed that because yeah, now numbers, letters, they're it's all interchangeable. So yeah, own it. Makes sense yeah. to me. I don't know. I most people get it. The one that's been the strangest to us recently is apparently in Italy we're known as open. <laughs> and we had an Italian come in for a tour and check out some skis and he said, you know, we're all you know, we're really excited about open skis and Italy and uh, Sean, our marketing manager, was talking to him. So I like stuck my head, you know, watching him talk and was like, correct him. And the guy was like, yeah, we know that. But in Italy, it's open. Basically, like, <laughs> this is what it is over there now. Deal with it. So open. 
we were like, okay, that's fuck. that's great. <laughs> Sometimes you 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 build stuff, you put it out in the world, and it just takes on a whole different life of its own. So, yep, yeah, open. yeah. We're thinking we need to build stickers uh, to like spell it out phonetically mm-hmm. that we can put around so people know. Yeah, or. It, this, this, I mean, you and I had actually talked about this, about the phonetic spelling of ON3P on a t-shirt. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure about that, but now, well, okay, there's maybe some problems with this as well, but if you, if you just did open and put an Italian flag on it, I, you know, I think you just embrace it. Maybe we'd sell a lot of t-shirts. Mm-hmm, could be. How old is ON3P now? About a decade. So, um, I think May... 19th is our official tenure. Wow. Like official quote unquote. Um, but you know, I mean, really I was doing it three years before that while I was in college. So, uh, but I mean, really full time May 19th was the articles incorporation, I believe. And first factory move in was August one, 2009. So, okay. And you've been in the current factory since when? Five and a half years, six years. So a while, yep. yeah. You were contacted by, well, one of the most high-profile people on planet Earth to have some skis built. And some people who are really, really up on things may have may know a little bit about this, but I think a lot of people still don't. And you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think it was February of last year, uh, Tinker Hatfield, who's the, the uh, Nike or Jordan uh, shoe designer, contacted us um i on like a saturday afternoon um like i almost missed the call and he said um said he's trying to get a pair of custom skis for michael jordan's for uh, 45th birthday 50 i don't i think 55 yeah um and uh you know talked to him for a little while like we didn't we were like this is this could be a joke uh and there was actually like a a thing with an athlete about an hour after I got off the phone with him where we thought it was a joke that they were just pranking us. So that was a couple hours of confusion. And, um, you know, he, we finally, he's really busy. Um, you know, we had our first meeting set up with Tinker and he ended up, ended up at the, uh, NBA all-star game instead. So we were kind of like wondering like, Oh, he didn't, he didn't make the meeting. And we found out, Oh, he got called away to the NBA all-star game. Um, and yeah, so we finally came in and we ended up, you know, commissioning a a full custom graphic for him that was kind of built around his, his nickname amongst his friends, which is black cat. Uh, and then it was, uh, kind of a, a North Carolina theme colorway and we did a full custom graphic. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up building two pairs of skis. We actually, uh, worked up, a uh, it was at the time it was a cartel 96 191 which wasn't a production ski so he had a couple different options because uh, we didn't really know his style he's um he primarily skis utah so we just didn't really know you know what he what he would like and uh you know it took a little while to get the graphics done get the feedback but he ended up getting them just in time for his birthday and then uh i wrote him a nice note he called us back um, if you've ever called the factory and got our voicemail, you'll know it's singing. Uh, it's a Seinfeld message. He he uh, told us to continue to work on our singing skills. <laughs> um, 
and left us a nice note and by all accounts has enjoyed the skis. So, so, and just to clarify, so it was, it was Jordan himself who called and left this message. Yeah, we have it on the voice. Yeah, we still have it. Yeah, I remember when you shared that uh, voice message with me. It, it basically, I don't know, it was like vicariously one of the coolest things ever, even though I had nothing to do with it. Well, we, but, uh, we get a lot of weird messages because of our message. So like people laughing and it was this like really, really deep laughter. So I was like, who, who is it? And then it was like, oh, holy shit, it's Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was sad. I sat. I miss. We missed the call. It was a. It was on a Monday morning, and we're not. We're not in on Mondays. But uh, obviously, the message was a pretty cool, cool thing. Get to you know show people that it was actually true. And by the way, I mean Jordan is like obviously one of the most iconic athletes in history. I actually think that's not an overstatement. But Tinker Hatfield. I mean, for those who don't know is kind of a god in his own right among among design geeks. Yeah. I mean, that got super interesting guy. And uh, again, I mean, you know, made the most iconic sneaker of all time. Um, and uh, I mean, a super interesting guy in his own right. We got to meet him a couple of times. He's, he's really interesting. We actually made a custom pair for him as well uh, with a, a Oregon colorways because um, that's where he went for school for track and field and yeah it was it was a really fascinating experience um it actually wasn't the first time we've made skis for nike um but it was certainly the the most unique custom we've ever done and just to clarify because i'm not sure maybe i just missed it or maybe it was the wine slash beer talking you said that for for jordan you made a 191 cartel did you mention the other ski yeah, well, he ended up. What he ended up on was a one eighty nine Renegade ninety six. Um, so he has both, uh, but that was the ski that for his style, which given his height, makes sense. Um, yeah, so I'm just glad he liked one of them. That was. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been pretty awkward if he didn't. So. Well, it's a sweet looking ski, and I do think you had floated at some point the very cool graphic for this thing out there. So we'll put some photos uh, of those skis just in case you missed it. And uh, so those will be in the show notes on the Blister website for this episode. But yeah, that's, I mean, a super cool thing and, and a pretty, I think a pretty big honor to uh, to make skis for somebody like that. And I also think, by the way, it's pretty rad that I don't know how well it is known, but Mike Mike likes skiing. That's pretty yeah. cool too. He's a big skier, you know, and, and so is Tinker. Um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. And I think, you know, for us, it was as interesting meeting Tinker as it was, you know, getting to build skis for Jordan just because he's someone who's had that level of success. Um, I mean, you know, like he could have called Michael Jordan while he was standing next to us. Uh, you know, we get to hear about some of the, you know, the negatives of getting famous too, just, just in like passing conversation. And it was interesting. Um, he's, he's certainly accomplished a lot and lived a pretty, pretty interesting life. Yeah. There's a Netflix show that features Tinker. I think in the first episode, it's called abstract colon, the art of design. Uh, and it is really well done and uh if you if you're not familiar or if you are familiar with tinker hatfield it's it's very much worth watching 
Um, let's talk about the present. We've been getting hit up a lot asking about what's going on with the the 1920 ON3P lineup. And so let's start with just the the regular Renegade lineup. What's going on? What's new? What's different? What's the same? Uh, so uh, the, the stock skis are back unchanged. Um, I mean, we've been saying for a while we're running most of our designs in two-year cycles. So the Rens are going into the second year after the flex change last year. Uh, we've cut some stuff. The Ren 114 has gone custom only. So you can still get it if you want to wait for us to build one. Uh, we also cut one of the short Ren 96s. Right now, so it's three sizes, 79, 84, 89, between the 96 to 108. New graphics, which this is actually my first full-on production graphic this year, uh, was the Renegade series. I got a little bit more involved in the graphics side this year. Uh, so these are graphics that I did primarily with uh, Trevor Leaf, who's our production manager. So that's new uh, for me personally. So be gentle uh, <laughs> if you don't like the graphics. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, so these are back, uh, you know, pretty much unchanged. The big thing that people have asked about us for a while, and we've been talking about for a while, is we do now have metal variants in the Renegades, uh, both 96, 108, same sizes. Uh, rocker and everything is the same. Core layup, obviously, is quite a bit different. And the weight on the metal is actually a little bit lighter than the, the production one. So Wait, what? Yeah, the metals are coming in a little lighter. So I still have to do, we still have to do a lot of uh, calculations on weights to get the weights up on the website. But uh, the stock, stock ones are a little heavier than the metal variants. The stock wrens are heavier than the metal wrens. Yeah, this is marginal. Like it's, we're talking like 30 or 50 grams. So it's not. Okay, very marginal difference. Yeah, it's not a huge, but basically there's not a bunch of weight with metal getting added. But the fact that it's not heavier at all What's the explanation? What do you think is going on there? We just were able to thin the core out quite a bit. Thin the core to make space for putting in the, the tie. Yeah, so we, I mean, it's a thinner profile. Uh, so we were able to thin the core out quite a bit. And then we're actually insetting the uh, tetanol in the top of the core. So we're, you know, we're seeing, seeing the core out on top so we can inlay. Uh, that way there's no seams on top which is something I'm never a big fan of. Anything that flexes and can break at a pivot point, I like to avoid. Um, you know, so the, the core and the tetanol all flexes as one unit. Um, yeah, so it took us, uh, we were even thinking initially when we started testing these that we might be able to get them out late spring uh, last year. So obviously it took us quite a long time to test the profile, which, you know, looking back, um, totally new layup. You know, the feel is quite a bit different than the stock skis. It's, they're far more damp. They really lock into the mountain. You know, it's much more like a kind of train track feel, uh, where you're really locked in. So it just took a while, but we're excited that we're finally done. <laughs> Interesting. And we are certainly looking forward to getting on these, but your, your take on this is that they are much more damp same same weight, even slightly a tiny bit lighter. People don't freak out about thirty or fifty grams. Yeah, but they're far more damp. Yeah, I mean they're they're really really damp. And I think I think people, especially in really directional you know directional skis, get really tied in. Does it have metal? Like that's a question we get all the time. And if we if the answer is no, a lot of people just just check the box. That skis a no. Um, 
So I think, you know, this definitely adds a dimension to the ski that we didn't have before. I also think that people shouldn't just sign up and buy the metal one, you know, cause they definitely suit a different style and a different type of, uh, skiing. So like if I were, like if I were skiing in the Northwest, I think I would stay with the stock one cause you're not skiing as much hard snow, you know, it's tighter terrain, tighter trees, deep snow, where if I were skiing something continental, like a big sky or a Jackson, where you have, you know, you have open terrain, lighter snow, harder snow, then it makes sense to me to go metal. Um, now obviously that's just a, like a guide and that's me personally, but I do think, you know, it adds a, a dimension we haven't had before as far as speed and, uh, speed and stability. So just, uh, again, any, any more thoughts on this first foray into working with Tetanol? Like you said, I mean, you thought you, you just got done saying, you know, you thought we might be able to release these a year ago. And so was the process, the reason for the say delay, was that because of the just complexities of working with Tetanol or was it more just we were really trying to fine tune and fine tune and fine tune and really make sure we just got the ski where you guys wanted it? It was, it was in the skis. Like working with it hasn't been very hard. I'm not the one doing all the CNC work. So like, I don't want to, Kip spent a lot of work, you know, dialing in how to, how to nest the cores, how to cut the teeth and all, all that stuff was really difficult. But as far as like bonding, stuff like that, that's what you get worried about with, with adding a new component like this is like, how, you know, how's it going to affect camber? How's it going to modify, you know, the bonding? Uh, we haven't had too many issues with that. So that's been, been nice. Um, the problem with, you know, anytime you're doing core profiles, it takes, a lot of time to test because you just have to go and ski it and then think about it for a while and then ski it again and see the variance in terrain and snow. And, um, it's just really slow. Uh, the other thing too, is like, you want to make sure that the ski a year out is the same as you wanted it to be when you built it, you know, make sure you're not getting any weirdness in the camera or, uh, or durability. So it just, it just took forever. I mean, that's, that's the next step for us is we'll, you know, I don't think we'll, well, let me rephrase. I don't know right now if any other skis in line will get metal, but, you know, we're on a big custom push. Like that's kind of the next, you know, the next thing for us is trying to build out our custom program. And with that, it will be offering metal in other skis. So we'll start testing, you know, metal Woodsman, metal Jeffries soon. Um, but again, I mean, those things just take, they take time. Breaking news. Testing Metal Jeffries and Metal Woodsman. Yeah, and I don't, I, I should preface, I mean, these are being tested under the guise of custom. Like, that's where, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think most people should be on a Metal Jeffrey. But if that's your ski and you want something more stable, then we want to be able to build it and, and design around it. So, what if I was real interested in a foam core Jeffrey? Could I get that? I'd probably block your number. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the other thing. Like we're, and this is like really far out, but we are, we're trying again on the, the tour end, uh, uh -huh. with some new cores. So more breaking news. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I just hated a lot of them. So <laughs> wait, 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 you've hated a lot the, of what? In a lot of the really light cores that people are doing. I don't, I'm not huge fans of, I mean, I've been pretty consistent in saying that. Um, if I can, Break your core material by hand. I'm not a fan. Uh, I think, yeah, 
I won't name the ski. I think I sent you some stuff of us literally ripping apart a very popular ski by hand recently. I guess that was about a year ago, but you know, I, that was profoundly disturbing to everyone here. So yeah, I just, we'll see. That's like really temper that, but, um, you know, we are, you know, we've, we've got to, we've been able to get the metal wren going, uh, you know, the woodsman's out. We're still working on the St. Lucas. Uh, but with that, you know, the next round of updates besides the 2021 line changes will be, you know, trying to bring a tour core in, um, you know, probably, you know, to start just on custom, uh, and then, uh, then, you know, expand metal out. So you sound busy and tired. It's been a really long month and I still have a lot to do to get 2020 out. I mean, we're, you know, like the product pages we have right now are bare bones. Um, so I still have a lot of product photography I have to do and, uh, web build out. And then I have to rebuild the, you know, the website this summer. So yeah, I'm busy. You know, just a, some free marketing advice. Maybe what if you just did like for the product description, like best ski ever. And then you, for the next ski, you'd be like also the best ski ever. There are people doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this works out in the next couple of weeks as I keep working it up but we're trying to help people understand skis more because people get really locked in on specs and they don't necessarily know what those specs mean sometimes that's kind of on purpose like you know let's say with like a bi radius on a ren well the listed radius is not existent in the ski in either the you know the front or the back it's it's a representation of how the ski turns so i think we're trying to get people to understand what things to focus on when they buy skis and not get caught up in numbers that can mean many different things. So yeah, there was a, there's an interesting question on TGR recently. It was like about how, how a, a Jeffrey and a woodsman can have the same uh, effective edge. And, you know, it's just interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, if you look at effective edge just as a function of length, sure. But, you know, they have different mount points, they have different, you know, side cut lengths, side cut ratios, uh, different tip and tail taper. Like there's all these different things that if you, you know, just look at effective edge, you, you're kind of, you know, you get caught up and you miss understanding the platform of the ski. Like that's the concept we're like trying to roll out is understanding ski platforms. Um, and we've structured the line that way where, you know, once you kind of figure out like your balance on the ski, everything after that falls under that platform and then you essentially are picking width by snowpack right snow types like 96 hard snow 108 is an everyday 116 is soft snow and we're really just trying to make it easier for people to understand you know who am i as a skier and what ski fits my type so because it's really confusing right now for a lot of people and that's kind of my like that's my crusade for the spring is trying to trying to get something in place that people can you know, understand big picture on skis a little more, um, and, you know, understand, you know, how they ski and what their needs are, you know, and how a platform is built around it. Okay. So you've mentioned the Jeffries a bit. Let's have you talk about the Jeffries. Then we're going to go to the Jesse line, and then we're going to talk about this new ski, the Woodsman. So, um, Jeffrey. Jeffries are back. Same ski as, as the cartels last year. As I mentioned earlier, we, we go in two-year cycles, so we're going into year two of this design. Uh, but it's been rebranded. 
back to the Jeffrey, which which was the the branding that uh, you know predated the release of the cartel. Same skis. Uh, one hundred eight is our best selling ski by a long shot, and uh, I think the Jeffrey, you know, it's going to be there again. What length of the Jeffrey one hundred eight is your best selling ski? Eighty six. Okay. 186. 86 and 81 though are pretty neck and neck. I mean, we've, we've joked that we could just build 108s. So, I mean, they're, yeah, they did, they've done very well. You know, it's just, that's kind of where ski design is going is, is versatility and something that you can just take out every day, which is kind of what the, the basis of that ski was. Jesse lineup. Also back unchanged. We did lose the longest length, the 176, which you know, it just wasn't selling. And then we did bring back the 161 in the powder variant. So 61, 66, 71 for both uh, the 96 and the 108. So also a graphic I did. So we'll see how that goes. I always think it's weird that you ski designer people leave off the one. So you refer to lengths as 61, you know, 71, 81, whatever. It, I just feel like, the you know, why... Why leave out the first one? When you're just talking about lengths all the time, I don't know. It just happens. Uh, we adding the the woodsman sizing is a little off from everything else too. So yeah, there's every year it takes us the first half of the year after new skis come out to adjust to the lengths and the the widths if they're changed, and we get like six months of logic and then we go back to confused. So I'm just worried that all the Italian skiers out there are assuming they're ordering like snowblades and they're like, yeah, I got these sick 71 centimeter long open snowblades coming and they're going to be bummed out when first of all, it says ON3P on the ski. And then there's also a hundred and 71 centimeter long ski. So you might, I just don't want you to get accused of false advertising. If, uh, if the standard of dimensions on some of the brands I've seen recently is accurate, then we're within that range listing it <laughs> off by a hundred. Wow, he's firing. Okay. He's he's getting feistier and waking up. Um the the wine and Mexican beer is kicked in. Sadly, they're still sitting here about the same level. Well, then that brings us up to the Woodsman, the ski that you really need to send to us soon so that <laughs> this just becomes a bigger and bigger thing. Like the a number of emails and DMs we get on certain skis uh, if we haven't been on them yet. And the best part is it's they're they're often kind of angry and a bit like WTF, you know? Like why where's the review on this thing? You know? A message to all those people, it is most certainly Jonathan's fault. <laughs> so keep that in mind every time you send those messages. Perfect. Uh yeah, so the the Woodsman is a ski I've been thinking about for a long time. I, I've been using the term and I'm it's like pretty cringeworthy even to use it. Like I'm sure, you know, we've, we've been kind of cringing at it, but it's, you know, modern all mountain basically. Cause we've kind of got to this point where we had two main platforms in the line. You had this directional renegade, you know, minus nine and a half. It wanted to go, you had to drive it, you know, or you had this Jeffrey, which was sort of, you know, born out of what essentially was a park capable ski in the Geronimo really, that was, you know, the original platform for it. And, you know, that ski, you know, over time, the mount moved back slightly. It used to be around minus three. Now it's hovering around minus four. Um, but it's just, it's a lot of tail uh, for a lot of skiers now. 
but it had the radius that a lot of people wanted to be on. So, you know, the number we get two questions. We get, uh, where do I mount, which is on the line, why are you asking? And do, do I ski the Renegade or the Cartel? That was like the question in the last couple of years that we got all the time, which, you know, now would be Renegade versus Jeffrey. And the, you know, to me, it's a really simple question. Do you want to be minus four or do you want to be minus 10? That was, that was the answer because they're really fundamentally different skis on how you ski. Um, and we found a lot of people didn't want to be minus four, but they didn't want to be over 26 meters on the radius. They wanted something a little more fun. Uh, you know, they still wanted stability, but you know, they needed help getting the tail around. So, you know, people, some people got around it going minus two on the Jeffrey, you know, which is fine. Makes sense. Like, you know, I know people who like it there. Most people are going, if they're changing the matter, going plus two, uh, just to give an idea on, you know, the spread on that ski. Um, you know, so it was kind of made, it was made so that, skiers who wanted to have more fun than the renegades could have wanted something a little more forgiving when they didn't want to go, you know, down the fall line all the time, but didn't need a twin, uh, didn't want so much tail to pivot in soft snow and, and wanted something they could drive a little more than the Jeffrey. You know, that was kind of the basis for the the thinking behind the ski. Um, you know, so, you know, to me, so the, the biggest thing, you know, platform wise is we move the mount up, um, it's about minus six to minus six and a half uh, in the, you know, in the longer sizes. So it's still pretty far forward. Um, I think a lot of people are running around minus seven, minus eight now. So, you know, you still see it, uh, ski it, you know, not super, super over the tips. Uh, you know, we didn't put any full twin on it, but it has more tail rocker than you get on a Renegade. Uh, so like you could land switch and ski switch if you, wanted to i wouldn't want to do that in deep snow and it's not really designed to do that um and then you know the biggest change as far as like uh side cut is it's not a hybrid or an elliptical like we've always run on the jeffrey or the, the cartels it's it's a bi-radius so it skis more even uh it's not as as turny it's it's more of a go down the fall line ski versus cut across the fall line ski just to be clear, you're describing, you're saying here that you think of the Jeffrey as more of an across the fall line ski. Well, an ellip so anytime you're using an elliptical side cut, the more you pressure it, the tighter the radius gets, right? And that's enhanced by the more you flex the ski, the tighter radius gets. So, uh, you know, on a on a Jeffrey, you know, the the big change we made last year is we got rid of the elliptical in the tail because we wanted it to have a little more stability going downhill. And be not a, not as hooky, but we wanted to keep the hookup and the carviness in the front. That's what kind of makes it really playful. Where you know, so on a on a bi radius, it's fixed. So as you pressure the ski more, you're not going to see a dramatic change um, in the side cut like you do like you get on the ends of the uh, the Jefferies and the Magnuses. Um, you know, so for for you know all mountain skiing where you're not like carving off the features or doing anything like that, it's just a a, a more consistent design. It's what we use on the Renegades. Uh, just it's a it's a smaller set of by radius, and it's actually a more balanced set of by radius. Um, you know, so that's something like you won't see in the numbers. Uh, but if you you know if you knew the design and the ski, there's more consistency between the tip and the tail radius than on a Renegade. Uh, so it carves a little more complete turn, where the Renegade's more of a kind of point and go downhill ski. We're going to we're going to talk more about this whole bi radius thing in a minute, but 
I want to problematize your life here by pointing out after you just got done telling people to just mount on the recommended line, like two minutes later, you then said that most people were skiing the woodsman behind the recommended line. So let me clarify. So <clears throat> most people ski, we're talking about the Jefferies. Most people ski the Jefferies on the line, but we get a lot of people who try to move it. Right. So I don't recommend moving it. I think if you're moving two centimeters off of a ski, you're either on the wrong ski, uh, on the wrong ski, you know, and I, like there's cases where like, if you're, you know, like six, three, but 140 pounds, like, yeah, you might want to move them out somewhere something like that. Like there's, you know, or if all, you know, if you're skiing center mounted park skis all the time, like minus four is, you know, way back in the tail for you. Like I get, get those things, but for most skiers on the line is what I recommend. That's where the design, you know, that's where the side cut, the flex profile, the, the rocker balance, the side cut balance, all that stuff is designed off that point. So mounts on the line. No one listens to me on the Jeffrey a lot of people who didn't want to be on a Ren S ski would take the minus four mount and bump it back to, right? Well, those skiers should now be on a woodsman. Like that's the platform that's based upon that balance. So that's what I'm saying is that we already had this customer. Like this is a, you know, people who like the cartel was the offering that we made that fit closest to what they wanted, but it was too centered. There's too much tail. So to, to account for that, they moved them out back. And what I'm saying is now you don't have to like, this is the new platform that's based upon, you know, that kind of balance, that kind of style. Got it. And as you and I have been talking about this woodsman for, I don't know, it feels like forever now, but, um, the hypothesis I've made and, you know, I don't yet know if this is true or not, cause we haven't been on this woodsman, but my take on this was, I, I said to you, I think this is going to cannibalize the Ren 108 sales quite a bit. And you have sort of agreed with me on that. And and I think that is though probably the biggest, maybe the biggest thing I'm going to be interested to see if I'm still kind of like, oh no, that the Woodsman really does feel different and distinct enough from a Ren 108 that we would we would still be you know, directing people pretty clearly to both of those skis? Or if this, I think, again, the question for me is, if this woodsman sort of gives you enough, does enough of what the Ren 108 does, I just have a suspicion that a lot of people looking for a ski from ON3P are going to probably be into a bit more of a forward mount. I agree on that. I think, you know, when we start talking about the woodsman line, it coincided with knowing that we were going to bring some metal to the Ren, which allows us to kick that ski up on the stability and the, you know, on the aggression level and, and the, the ski, like the skier strength that needs to ski that ski. So, you know, it, before when we only had, uh, you know, a, a cartel and a renegade, you've got to kind of balance a whole subset of people, this whole, you know, whole group between these two skis. Well, this is letting us push stuff out. Um, you know, and that's something we're certainly be thinking about as we go into 2021. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it will sell really well. I think it's going to fit a lot of people who want something more fun, but are tired of being on a directional ski that's, that's aggressive all the time. Um, and I know that fits a lot of us internally. Um, you know, a couple of the guys who are more Billy Goat Ren skiers are now probably going to end up on the woodsman a lot of the time. Um, 
so yeah, I, I would agree. I think the metal, the metal is going to do its thing. And there is that subset of skiers. Um, but I, I do think, uh, you know, the woodsman will probably surpass the rent on sales this year. I don't, I don't have any doubts on that. Let's talk a little bit more about this by radius thing. I mean, I say this a lot on, uh, you know, on the, on the site that like, I think radius itself and whatever number a company is slapping next to this ski and this length has this radius. I just tend to care less and less about that because I tend to care quite a bit more on things like what's the effective edge on that ski, i.e., you know, how like what how much tip or tail splay are we dealing with? What's the weight of this thing and what's the flex pattern like? So that sounds rather dismissive in terms of side cut radius numbers and maybe it is a bit dismissive. I also do think there's companies that simply make this stuff up and so I think there's that's a factor as well. So I don't know how much you know you guys have been and do talk a lot about radii and elliptical radii versus bi radius and the rest. Do you care to make a less dismissive case for why these radii numbers ought to be paid attention to? My thing with getting locked into numbers is that um, they don't always tell the full picture and you can get really different things from the same number. So we were talking about this recently where you can, you could list a ski that has a 20 meter radius and based upon what the radius does from boot center forward, boot center back, it can be dramatically different and where you place that boot center. So, you know, say that the effective edge has a, uh, 150 centimeter effective edge, right? Well, if it's dead center, it's going to feel super, super different than if it's minus nine right? Even if you have the same effective edge, and even if we make the same listed radius the same, then you can change, you know, what's the, the ratio between the front and the tail radius. Maybe it's, you know, a really tight ratio like you have on, a, on like a Magnus where they're within a meter or two, right? Um, versus a Ren ratio where they might be five meters apart. On, on paper, they can look the same, right? You're going to have a 20 meter radius ski with an effective edge of 150. It's 108 underfoot, whatever. But when you actually ski it, it's going to ski dramatically different, both in balance and how the side cut interacts with the snow. Um, so I just think that's where like, I go back to trying to talk about like, what are the overarching principles of the ski, of the design, of the side cut type, of the rocker type, of the balance versus, you know, is the effective edge three centimeters different? Like that, that's not super tangible for the end user. Um, now, I know I, and I'm certainly one of them, like people like to – to nerd out, get into the numbers and understand stuff on that level. And that's important, but I don't like, no one's releasing enough information for you to compare all those things in a really accurate way. And that's intentional. Like we're not, I don't want to put out what our, you know, our side cut ratio scale is between a, a Magnus and a Renegade, right? Like that's not, that's our information. Um, so, you know, what we're trying to present as the end product is kind of a best fit as simple as we can. And now, you know, next part for us is to educate people on understanding really, you know, the basis of the platform um, and, and what that means as an end user. So I, you know, I mean, I don't, they just, they all matter. Rocker matters, uh, uh, sidecut matters, all, all these little things, things you're not even thinking about, like tip and taper ratio, uh, sidecut, sidecut taper, like all sorts of stuff 
they all form an end product. They're all important. And we can't list them all. So we're, we're like, I know internally, we're really trying to figure out how to get people to understand, you know, what they see um, and what the ski is designed to do versus, you know, these, you know, these side cuts look really similar. Like, a, I think a, a Jeffrey 108, it's like 22 meters in a 186 and a uh, 87 was when 108's 23.8, something like that. But, you know, the the Jeffrey has less side cut in the front, has more balanced side cut, it has more equal tip and tail taper. You know, so while they have similar effective edge, where that edge is relative to the ski and where you're skiing it is really different. Um, so it's just a little more nuanced than just numbers. So we've talked about the Renegade lineup, the Metal Rens, the Jeffrey lineup, uh, some potential touring skis, some potential Metal Jeffreys and Woodsmans. What else haven't we talked about? Those are all the changes that the Season Assist and the Billy Goat, the RES line, they're back unchanged. Um, this is year two on the you know, Season Assist update. So it, it now shares a rocker profile with the Billy Goat. Uh, and the results of it have been really good. Um, you know, so that's going to continue. And then, uh, the kids ski, the Charlie Murphy, it's back unchanged as well. Um, it won't, it won't get an update until our next, you know, big, uh, freestyle line update in 2021. Next big freestyle line update in 2021. Well, still working on it. They're pretty <laughs> dialed right now. It's, it's, uh, difficult sometimes to improve on where these skis are at. Do you have anything else to say about the custom skis scott like where where is your head at with those the i mean the custom the, the stuff on custom right now and maybe it's a little early to talk about i'm trying to get custom delivery time down to two weeks ship time and that's you know i don't know i don't know much about volume for some of the custom builders out there that are doing it purely custom uh you know but i know we're doing quite a lot at the moment and you know we're trying to grow that program out more and more um and the next big big thing is trying to shorten delivery time so we're you know we're several weeks versus right now we're running three to four weeks so i want to get it down to about seven days if i can but we'll see that's kind of the next big production hurdle we are rolling out some new graphics uh some new base and some new tops um i guess the new uh, probably the the coolest thing we were able to add this year is we're now sublimating wood veneer uh, before everything had been hand cut, which is really, you know, not only really difficult, um, but it's somewhat limiting what you're able to do. So now we're able to do, do uh, I mean, practically anything with sublimation. So that's the next, uh, the next thing for us to roll out in the coming month. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was it's looking like we're going to start doing more kind of random review things uh, on these Gear 30 podcasts. And so I thought I would ask you if you had a suggestion for some random thing that you thought that like Luke, Sam, and I ought to review. So my here's my question. Do Luke and Sam have to watch it start to finish if it's a movie? Yes. That's, this is agreed upon. If I give you something now, you have to watch start to finish. Okay. All right. It's it's Peter Jackson's Dead Alive from 1992. Peter Jackson's Dead Alive from 1992. Okay. Why why is this your 
why is this your suggested random review? You'll know when you watch it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. All right, Luke and Sam, we have to watch a movie that's probably going to be terrible as you far can, as I can uh, tell. That's, uh, that's payback from Sean having to answer emails about hard pack performance on Cartel 108 for the last year. <laughs> okay. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you. How did I didn't have anything to do with that? I didn't write that review. That was Luke and Sam. Why do I have to watch this movie? Your collateral damage. Sorry, collateral damage. Okay, Uh, okay. We will get to that at some point, and uh, we have a few. We have a few other random reviews in the works. Well, hey, man. uh, As always, it's good to talk and uh, catch up a bit. And uh, I hope this clarifies what's going on in your neck of the woods uh, on some of these skis. What is what can be ordered right now or is ready to go right now? You're building this stuff right now and orders can, will go out soon or some of it's ready. What's what's available? Magnus is shipping, Jeffrey's shipping, uh, stock wrens are about a week out. Woodsman, the the main like the middle size is 82, 87. They'll be shipping mid-May. And then metal wrens like late May, early June. So yeah, we were I mean, we're rolling a lot of stuff out you know, but a lot, lot to still go. So cool, man. Well, I am going to go see if, uh, what conditions are looking like outside and, uh, maybe go get some skiing in and, uh, but yeah, good to talk and, uh, we'll do it again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, Scott. All right. Bye. That's it for this edition of gear 30. Thanks to Scott Andrus for the conversation and thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. Next week, you'll be hearing Luke Coppa and Sam Shaheen's conversation with Patagonia senior material designer, Pasha Whitmire. And until then, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we're putting out on the Blister Podcast Network, which now includes the Blister Podcast, Off the Couch, All Things Climbing, and our newest one, Bikes and Big Ideas. And of course, as always, you can find all of these on the Blister website or on your favorite podcast player, app, or platform. Thanks for listening. Please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.